This episode is a sponsored partnership by Keen. So, you finally decided that you want to seek psychic advice. But now you're just sitting there and you're asking yourself, why Keen? Shouldn't I just look into psychics near me? It would probably be a lot easier. Our response? Why would you? Keen connects you with talented tarot readers and astrologers. If you want to get a reading on Keen, it's super easy to start. They've been giving trustworthy readings since 1999, over 35 million to be exact. All you have to do is create an account, and you'll be able to choose from hundreds of readers who are online right now. These readers each have unique specialties designed to provide a deeper understanding of your situation. Want to learn more about your love life? What's your financial future look like? Are you looking for a closure from a deceased loved one? Keen has a reader ready to provide clarity and insight. You can choose whichever reader best suits your needs, and you'll be able to connect via phone call or text. Just go to trykeen.com potential. As a new customer on Keen, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99, which is up to $99 in savings. Once again, that's trykeen.com potential. Get your first 10 minutes for $1.99. And remember, know your potential. Hey, Potential Podcast listeners, let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com slash potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being and let's get checked. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. This is The Potential Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to The Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by my co-host, whether he's live action or animated, sometimes both. Taylor Sokol. <laughs> I think I'm always animated. I've always been described as animated, but I don't think that's um, what you're referring to. But <laughs> Well, I think yeah, we're definitely animated guys. We like to uh, do little bits and impressions, and we uh, definitely tend to uh, stay on the comedic side for the most part. That's I just how we, how we live. But, um, that's how we roll. That's how we roll, Taylor. But here we are. We're at the end of July, and August is around the corner. 
And, you know, we just had a, a big movie come out. Of course, a lot of people are on the fence of what side, uh, whether they liked it or didn't like it. But, of course, we're talking about Space Jam and New Legacy, which, of course, stay tuned for our review later this week. But had, had me thinking, Taylor, you know, nowadays we're kind of so used to so many movies coming out with CGI that we can't even really we don't really process it anymore. Like, oh, wow, that was a really well done animated you know, performance. It doesn't it doesn't stand out as much because when we were young, if we had any kind of animation in a movie, it was the traditional 2D animation yeah the 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 cell you know the hand-drawn stuff so hand-drawn yeah no exactly and then i think now because you think about like movies um like star wars the prequels when that started and then lord of rings i mean it's all technically kind of animation but because it's so real it's not it's it's kind of not really can classify that so but you know i think that really stands out the test of time that there's such a long history of that live action and animation combination which i think is just um, it really kind of sets it up for a very unique genre of film, I'd have to agree, or TV show, if you'd like. Yeah, because there's definitely been uh, areas of that as well in TV, but a very unique genre. That one that, um, you know, in some ways is fizzled out, but then again, I feel like there's so many movies nowadays that even have CGI, even if it's just for backdrops or touch-ups, that you technically could calculate that as, you know, a, a hybrid, but... Today, we're really going to focus on those classic films from the early uh, days of Hollywood up till even just, you know, the you know, last decade. Uh, those films that have live action and animated elements. And when we mean animated, we're really sticking here to the more traditional 2D animated style. Um, so, you know, if you think about it, there's always been, you know, from the early days of Hollywood, Taylor, we've had these uh, pioneers, really, in terms of how you know filmmaking even started you know and to see that there was people even in the early days that were setting up these hybrid films to have maybe a live action actor and then use animation to kind of have the setting have the other characters around them of course i i remember from many documentaries uh of walt disney's life in his early days of you know watching these alice cartoons that he would do where they had a actual live girl play Alice, but then everything else was animated. So you would see this juxtaposition of, you know, an actual girl and you're watching this movie, but then it's like these little shorts that have these cartoon characters in a cartoon setting, you know, Wonderland and other things and how that came to life. It's, it's a very impressive uh, thing to watch in those early days. You're thinking, gosh, this is like the 1920s and they've already kind of figured out how to do this. If you think about this time, this is like the early days of filmmaking still where 1920s and the thirties, this is till the silent film era. And then you're getting into the late thirties and early forties, you know, film's still very new, but to see like, uh, you know, live person with an animated character, it kind of just still like blew people's minds. And I think even though, you know, we grew up and then looking back and seeing some of these things, especially when with Disney, you're right, was kind of, the i think the forefront of combining live action animation uh i think that was that kind of bread and butter for a long time and you know still to this day is doing well but i think that really kind of was the pioneer um to to create this especially early days you know creating mickey mouse and you know you said there's alice comedies and then i think it's just kind of like crazy that um 
you know, that was that was done. And, you know, look back and some of these, you know, some of these greats that were kind of the pioneers and that there's a guy, you know, Willis O'Brien, Ray Harry Housen, Monsters Inc. Uh, he was not the inspiration. Um, <laughs> but all these people, a lot of it, you know, started in, in Europe. And I think because Disney was really kind of putting his hand and in, in all these different kind of cookie jars, you know, and said, you know, I'm trying to get into the the park situation, trying to get into the, you know, animation. And, you know, Disney was great about they were experimenting with all kind of segments of that. I think, uh, you know, going back to my youth, I remember seeing when they had uh, all on the VHS tapes, I remember was the three caballeros uh, with Donald. And, you know, I remember Donald Duck dancing with all these um, uh, Latina dancers and stuff like that. That was just like so funny to see that kind of stuff. I was like, that was so cool. And then I remember uh, like, and that was 19, you know, what, 45. That's crazy. Yeah. Very, you know, still not huge into, you know, technology, if you will, in terms of filmmaking. And of course, by then, uh, Disney had definitely set itself apart as um, the animation studio. You know, by then they'd already had uh, Snow White come out and I think Pinocchio by then. So you have these, uh, you know, powerhouse movies being made and even that would have elements of technology to it. But really you think of the style of how to do this is that you would have to film a live action person and then you would have to then have the animation put onto each of the frames of the film so that when it would you know be on a projection you would have the live action and the animated character at the same time and then of course sound dubbing and all that um it's a it's a pretty big feat and of course some of these uh movies you know the three cabuleros and then uh you know having to mention song of the south of course a movie that uh for rightly so has been banned uh, in many, many places, but you can kind of find little, uh, you can find it on the internet in certain ways. But like thinking of that film, like, although a lot of people have not seen the full film, which actually is mostly a live action film. Uh, many people do remember the zippity doodah sequence with Uncle Remus and all the animals. So that's something that like still sticks out as a great scene where really the whole thing is animated, where it kind of starts with live action, you know, it's him and the, and the two kids. And then the animation starts to take over and then they're in a fully immersed animation world. So you could see that even through as years are going by, now we're getting not only these animation action, live action hybrids. Now it's in full color too. That's something I think is impressive. I think technicolors start to become such a big boom. And then yes, it would lead to what is probably uh, known as in terms of the early eras one of the most popular and beloved hybrid movies of live action and animation, 1964 is Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins, you know, one of the best known artistic films of this nature with, again, I, I still remember looking back at that scene uh, with Dick Van Dyke and Julian Andrews in there and this whole world that they kind of, you know, he creates in his, in his mind. And I just love the penguin scene when he's dancing with the penguins. Just, Classic. And, and you think about that to, you know, we're kind of bouncing back and forth, of course, but you talk about later on when we get into you know, the CGI major, uh, nature and people, green screens and such, they didn't have uh, an actor to act upon. This was like, this was talent where they had to be like, okay, here's your mark and you got to really imagine. And you look at that, it seems so seamless that these performers like Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke are like, oh, I'm dancing with this penguin here. And it looks like just seamless. It looks amazing. And um, I think it's... Uh, which funny, well-known, uh, fun facts. I don't know how well-known this, but the best-known scenes 
um, when he's dancing with his penguins, that actually was improvised um, by him. And, you know, you have Julianers looking, you know, there and clapping and, and dancing along. So I think that's kind of funny. Oh, I love that bit he does where he, he kind of takes his pants and he, he pushes way up so that it looks like he's <laughs> yeah. a penguin. And, and yeah, you think even like probably not a, as big a thing uh, in the early years, but really the idea of having to direct your live actors to have to look a certain way to, okay, you're going to be looking down this way and that's your eye contact. You know, of course we would eventually get into uh, the era of the tennis ball on a stick, uh, which uh, (laughs) people still use to this day uh, to have something to look at, you know, especially as we got more into the eighties and nineties, but it is really, it just, and it pops. And, and, you know, again, we've mentioned in the past about, um, you know, adaptations of, uh, books to film and how some people you know really get very uh, picky about that and um, of course if you've seen the great film Saving Mr. Banks that is all about the making of Mary Poppins and how it took forever for uh, Walt Disney to get the approval of Travers uh, who wrote the novels for Mary Poppins she was not at all wanting any kind of dancing penguins she did not want a musical number and it's so funny to think that really, if you think about if, if you like just from a base note, think of one most popular song, maybe from Mary Poppins, although there's so many great songs that Sherman Brothers wrote for this, you know, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious is, you know, it's, it's like lexicon now. I feel like so many people will know that word, even to little kids nowadays who, who've gone to re-experience that movie and yeah, you know or maybe never even seen it it is just part of that lexicon <laughs> and and jumping you know we'll kind of just add it in here at this section of the episode to think then you know later in life uh back in i think it was what t- 2018 when we got mary poppins returns how they definitely honored that that legacy of having that whole sequence where they were at the big kind of like cabaret scene and they did the whole big dance number uh you know emily blunt and lynn manuel miranda and the kids having this whole big dance cabaret section with the animated style and then the big chase and that whole sequence was definitely in honor of the legacy of what mary poppins did before and how you know it's still the penguin scene it's like it, it is iconic people remember it more than anything funny enough though following mary poppins um, I don't actually know if I've ever seen Ben Knobs and Broomsticks, to be honest with you. You know what? I I think the same thing for me. I know of it. It's one of the, you know, it's like that one. And there's another one of the of the Disney Vault never seen. There we go. We got a, a potential. Past oh, potential. we'll have to do a, a, <laughs> we both a, haven't seen a past it. pick. We can challenge each other. I I, I remember there's, um you know, you get the, the Disney, uh, used to have the sing-along videos where like you put it in it was like songs from you know it'd be a genre of movie or it could be like theme yeah, park. disney sing-along yeah, yeah. <laughs> those great videos um i remember there was you know one of them i used to have as a kid had a thing from bed knobs and broomsticks but i i can't for the life of me ever remember seeing that movie so <laughs> unfortunately uh, it's not one that we uh that i can bring up uh, to a fairly well point but one that i can bring up uh, i haven't seen it in good wow it's been good god i remember my grandma used to have this on vhs but uh we had 1977's pete's dragon and this i think is really cool because this i think is the first i mean you kind of look at mary poppins there's one section of the movie i think ben ben knobs and broomsticks from you know again not knowing i think there is 
a, a sequence in the movie that is live action animation, but to have a full live action movie that happens to feature an animated character in it. This is something that I think is pioneering that we're going to see in the future of having, you know, not really, we're not going to an animated world. There's a fully realized animated character that is this giant dragon. Yeah. And then he actually is able to interact with the world around him. Yeah. And how he can, I love how he can turn invisible and, you know, it was very goofy, uh, you know, fun family movie. And, you know, he doesn't really talk. He is, because he's really he's basically basically always eating you know but i I love that it's like it's it's kind of a style that we're it's definitely going to see into the future where i think people they they get excited of course there's there's this fun fantasy element where a character steps into a animated world and either becomes an animated or uh or still remains live action in a fully animated world but the opposite is just as exciting. There's something so cool to watch and be like, wow, it really looks like that character just happens to exist. They just happen to be 2D. Um, and Peach Dragon definitely was a uh, pioneering, you know, movie for that. And then, you know, you think nowadays we had all these live action remakes and I didn't see the uh, live action update of uh, Peach Dragon. They I did, did a couple either. years ago. But again, that to me, that qualifies more in the category of it is a live action movie with a heavily CGI'd character, which, yes, it is still technically animation because it's going on a computer and doing it. But to me, it's not the it's not the same. It doesn't pop as much. It's it's a I think here's the, the distinction I think you and I can agree on is that although, yes, whether it's hand drawn or used computer, which we'll see these films, you know, coming up in our conversation the thing is, it's so real, realistic, that it it kind of takes you out of it. Where like you know, we're talking about Pete's Dragon. He's animated, but we can tell he's definitely does stands out, and not necessarily a realistic way. But like, because if, yeah. if we were in that world, it'd be like, okay, this is weird. He's an animated dragon, not like you know. So I think that's the thing because we accept that it's part of the story. And this is part of that world, part of that world. And um, <laughs> uh, I want to be where the Pete's dragons are. Uh, so I think you can kind of suspend your will, a uh, willful, that have willful suspension, disbelief for a minute, but where it's like, okay, that is computer. We know that, but they're making it look as realistic as possible. So I, I think that's what we're trying to really kind of lean more heavily onto the more uh, other side. And this would lead to what is, for most people, uh, consider the greatest feat in live action and animated combination uh, film, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which came out in 1988, directed by the one and only Robert Zemeckis, with Richard Williams as the animation director. This movie, to me, is still one of my all-time favorites. There is huge nostalgia for this movie for me. Um, But... I think this movie, it's just like, it, it seems like a, a crazy concept that they pulled off so seamlessly. I don't know. You know, it's like, it's credit. It's incredible. There's so much of this movie that is a live action movie. This kind of, you know, uh, you know, feeling like this 1940s Hollywood, you know, it's set in the time of, you know, like the detectives and, you know, there's a, a crime. It's like, going a, on. It's like a, a detective noir story. But with this comedy and of all these cartoon, yeah, and a, a little adult here and there as well, is, which I think is kind of I, funny. I, yeah, I think it, it. Some parts it's like okay, but I think what makes it funny is because in this world it's not like something really kind of outlandish. It's like okay, tunes are part of this 
you know, accepted. They're just, ah, those darn tunes. You know, it's just they're another part of that world they're living in. And, um, but then you can, there's a good mix. We talked about that going back between an anime, all anime world and live action. And there's more of the live action animated. But yeah, you're right. This just did it so good. Not only... The interaction, I mean, there's a, with Bob Hoskins, man, he oh, had man. to have some fun on this one. And one of my favorite movies that he's ever been in, uh, of his, and I did love, like, some of the scenes, like, when he's handcuffed to Roger Rabbit, and it's just, like, it's, real, in, like, it's incredible, and, like, the, and the, the goofy antics of, of this character, Roger Rabbit, who, you know, really, this is the only real major thing this character's been in. I mean, there's been little shorts, and, you know, there's been a, a proposed sequel for a long time. You know, nowadays, it'd be so much easier to do a film like this. But this really goofy, over-the-top character uh, who's, you know, accused of this crime. And, and this is where, of course, we get Jessica Rabbit in here. Uh, and, and it's just like and Christopher Lloyd, I mean, hamming it up as this great villain. Uh, and, I, you know, this, you know, we're talking about uh, uh, cartoons being in a live action and then a live action in the cartoon. This movie gives us both. We get a plenty of time in the Toontown world uh, where we get to see all the fun antics of, of course, if you're a human in the cartoon world, um, the, the laws of, of gravity, laws of physics um, change because you're now a tune, you know. So Eddie, of course, you know, there's a famous scene where he's falling off of the, the skyscraper and a Tweety Bird picks his fingers off and he's falling and you see Mickey. And, you know, again, this I think this is such an impressive uh, movie in terms of different studios agreed to have all their characters in this movie. So what a crossover. <laughs> this is the first time we're having a, a cinematic universe, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And and I just remember that scene, they're both falling bugs and like, Oh, Oh gosh, you did a parachute. Yeah. I think you don't want it. <laughs> just like, uh, yeah, there's something. Aren't that... a stinker? Um, <laughs> yeah. And like to think all the characters in this movie, there's so many uh, combination of characters from both. Yeah. Warner brothers, Disney, you have like, Betty Boop in here. I mean, you have so many classic, you know, you have, um, uh, I love when they get in the elevator. Is that one, the, the droopy dog guy is like the elevator uh, operator. And of course it goes away too fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it's, it's just, it's like a fun movie. It's a, it's a really well done plot and it has a good element of um, action, a good heart to it. And it, it did really well. I mean, for the time, the movie, had a budget around 50 million and it made 330 million. So, I mean, especially for the eighties, that's pretty good. And it did go on to win the Academy Awards for best film editing, best sound effects editing and best visual effects. And it received a special achievement Academy Award for the animation direction of Richard Williams. So just an impressive movie all around. And I think, you know, you think of the lineage that will lead up to this movie, how, this you know i think animation nowadays we've had the category of best animated movie but typically animation is kind of looked at in its own you know kind of genre this being a a hybrid movie it it still stands out as one of the um you know best just uh animated and live action crossovers it's just uh it's fantastic now taylor one i wanted to bring up i think we both probably saw in our youth but it's probably been a while. Um, and this, it, it counts in a way, even though there's a huge chunk of it that is separate. Um, this is the thing we'd see a lot in the 90s of uh, these movies that would start as a live action, have a huge chunk of animation. And then there would be maybe small sections that were hybrid, but 
Do you remember the page master with Macaulay Culkin? Oh yeah. And I think we mentioned that on a previous episode. Um, one of that movie was, I remember as a kid, that was scary at times, but it was just creepy. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, again, this was the height of Macaulay Culkin, man. He was really like, you know, killing it. But I think one of his, you know, I think least recognized films, which is a shame because it's one of the best, but it it does a great job because it's more, you've got, there's a little bit more kind of strict, like, okay, there's a lot more, okay, starts off live action, then mostly animated, then live action again, kind of like a little bit of like uh, Wizard of Oz, where they're black and white, then they're color, and then black and white again. But I just remember the, the, the the blend of it was really great and the fact that you got an animated Macaulay Culkin which I, and I like it the the movie itself is very good it's self-referential I love that one part was like oh my god I'm a cartoon <laughs> and I just and this again hey another great Christopher Lloyd when he is that's the right master. that's right um but yeah I just so we had such a great voice cast and it was just such a unique film too like we're talking about I think that's so great about this episode is these are you know, unique, you know, films in their own right. But then the concept is really unique. And I think the page master, there's nothing been quite like that. I think there's been kind of, you know, ideas where you could go into the worlds of books, but this one really just, just one of the best movies and growing up to seeing this, it was so, so funny and so like epic. Yeah. I remember loving this movie as a kid. We had it on VHS at home and, and yeah, it's not a, there's not a huge chunk of it that has technically crossover, but you do have the elements of when he, like, it's so cool to watch him turn into an animated cartoon and then him like, yeah, jumping into these actual, you know, very famous stories. And, uh, you know, you have the fantasy story with the the castle and the dragon, you have Treasure, Treasure Island, you have Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you know, you have Moby Dick. I mean, all these great books. And I think, you know, obviously it's teaching a good message of how you can have such an, a, a grand adventure in your imagination. Um, and this boy obviously needs it in the story, but yeah, unfortunately the movie did not do well at all. It, uh, it only it had a budget around 34 million. It only made about 13.7. So it didn't even, you know, it barely made half, um, of, what, yeah. half of what it uh, needed to. So um, unfortunately it is kind of lost in the, in the time there of a movie that didn't really do as well as it needed to. But I just remember it was very unique style and, this is something I think would continue into a movie like James and the Giant Peach. That I'm glad I'm glad you said that because I, 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 I was I was ready to jump into that. <laughs> That's literally it's on the page right now because uh, we do heavy extensive research Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, which talking about okay, we're talking about these unique styles of again live action animation. This one just had a unique uh, look to it that was just so much different than any other kind of combination. Especially uh, the stop motion element. So, yes. th- which to me, this count. I mean, you look at a movie like uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, you know, is a hugely beloved movie from a lot of people. It's a huge cult following now. The whole movie is stop motion. And to think, you know, animation takes a long time because you have to animate every single, you know, moment to think of having to do stop motion. So this being a unique film of having live action with stop motion animation combined. And I mean, this movie is hilarious. So it's a great, great cast. And to think that this movie's never, there's never really been like an updated take on this property. Surprisingly, if you think about all the Roald Dahl materials, again, this is, we, we talked about this a while back with uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Again, great source material from a fantastic author. Um, I am surprised that it is not you know, done a, a series or something like that. And we've got, we've had a Willy Wonka take. We've had, 
um, the witches. So we've had some updates in some of this material, but yeah, I think this one, you know, I'd be happy if they didn't, but it is surprising because again, the material is so great. And again, an amazing movie for it's for kids, but there's some scary moments of this one. It's the rhino, man. That thing terrified me. And his aunt's artist psycho. And I was just like, you feel bad for this kid. My name is James. I always remember that song. Um, uh, I have my favorite. Yeah, my, no, yeah. it's kind of and like, I remember, you know, they're out in the, the water. There's like the sharks after them. And then, um, of course, the hilarious bits of them finally getting to New York, this giant peach rolling in. And then, you know, at that point, it's so neat to think that he, he comes back to, you know, to, uh, to live action. And again, this isn't there's not a huge amount of crossover in this, but there is some elements to it where it does kind of, again, following similar to Page Master starts live action. Huge majority of it is uh, more of the animated style. And then at the end, live action again. But yeah, this one also did not do very well. Um, it had a budget of around 38 million. It made 37.7 million. So uh, it's weird to think that this is a time, these movies that I, you know, I love these movies as a kid. I had them on VHS and just some did not do as well as you think they would. Our, fa- our most favorite movies are our childhood. <laughs> We're duds, but we love them. Uh, and I didn't know this going back and reading about this movie. I did not realize that Richard Dreyfus was the voice of Mr. Centipede. He was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just... <laughs> And think and it, like think of that voice cast. You have David Thewlis as Mr. Earthworm, Susan Sarandon as Miss Spider, Jane Levy's, of course, who was in uh, Frasier as Mrs. Ladybug, and then uh, Simon Callow as Mr. Grasshopper. You know, at that point, you know, I'm sure I knew who Richard Dreyfuss was because I'm sure even if I was uh, young enough to not know. I'm sure, at some point, I remember the first time watching Jaws. You know, and that's kind of funny going back. Yeah, going back and thinking about they had to fight the shark and thinking of Simon Callow. Of course, we love him from Ace Ventura when he was um, <laughs> wrong in Sweeney Toad. Sweeney Toad. <laughs> I want to do Ace Ventura movies, uh, you know, next season, of course, because of the best. But uh, yeah, it's a great fantasy film, and unfortunately, I've, I've been surprised that it hasn't. Uh, you know, even even if been being done in a fully live action form where like the bugs are CGI and everything. Uh, it's never been uh, tackled again. So maybe one we'll see tackled again in the future. But um, you know what, Taylor, let's take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we'll talk about some more live action animated crossover movies. In 1996, they gave the world the ultimate game with NBA's greatest star and a cartoon rabbit. Then, 25 years later, they do it again. Well, now, we don't want to wait another 25 years, and neither should you. They've been to outer space. They've been to cyberspace. But now, get ready for the ultimate jam for all time as they take it through the space-time continuum. What's up, Doc? That's not all, folks. But how are we going to power our time machine? Uh... Arriba, arriba! Andale, andale! Join Bugs, Daffy, Porky, Lola, and the rest of the Looney Tunes, which was the reason you came to the second movie anyway. They will have to travel through time, facing off against the forces of evil 
and snag the greatest basketball players of all time. Thuffering Fuckatash, where are we? Don't you mean, when are we? <laughs> time travel is despicable. This time, we're bringing back all the best Looney Tunes has to offer. A whole slew of characters and the greatest basketball athletes throughout all time. From Bird to Johnson to Chamberlain and O'Neill, it's like we had a limitless budget or maybe just great CGI. Starring Robert De Niro, Melissa McCarthy, Wayne Knight, Nicole Kidman, Will Ferrell, and Christopher Walken. Space Jam 3, Space Time Continuum, coming in summer 2025. Get ready for the motion picture event of the century. Hollywood and Toontown's greatest movies and characters combined into the ultimate cinematic universe. I can't remember the last time you invited me to your house for a Scooby snack, even though my wife is godmother to your only child. You come into my house on the day my daughter is to be married and you ask me to hunt ghosts for money? Well, like, geez, Mr. Corleone, we didn't mean to barge in here, but we really got a big problem. Roro Raggy, big problem here, indeed. That's right, Scoob. Sir, we, like, need your help. Someday, and that day may never come, I'm gonna call upon you to do a service for me. Rokey, Godfather. <laughs> Well, this isn't a boat accident, and it wasn't any propeller, and it wasn't any coral reef, and it wasn't any Jack the Ripper, it was Jabberjaw! Silly old me! Yuck, yuck, yuck! Yeah, no me. No iron or living. I'll catch this bird for you, it ain't gonna be easy though. Bad fish. Not like going down the pond chasing bluegills or tomcats. The shark. Swallow your hold. Bad fish? No respect, I tell you. No respect. She can stay afloat with the first four compartments breached, but not five. Not five. She goes down by the head. The water will spill over the bulkheads from one to the next, back and back. There's no stopping it. The pumps. We open the doors. The pumps buy you time, but minutes only. From this moment, there's no matter what to do. Titanic will flounder. This ship can't sink. Nah. Oh, but it can. She's made of iron, sir. I assure you she can. And she will. It is a mathematical certainty. Well, I'm not good at math. How much time? An hour. Two at most. Fabulous. Fuck a cruise, they said. It'll be fun, they said. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Uh, what have they got in there, King Kong? Hey there, Fred. New tourist? Must be from the Graniteville, Bonnie. They look, uh, funny. Oh no. Here comes Dino. Look out! Dino. Dino, we got Dino here. See, nobody cares. Uh, uh, remind me to thank John for the wonderful weekend. Tell me, Spock, what is this strange 
alien life form I see before my very own eyes. Captain, we found him on your home planet of Earth. He is Experiment 626, alias Stitch. How? Tell me, what does this creature even do? I invent him for destructive purposes, but they escape from my grasp and they find no purpose as a pet. He may look cute, but he is quite dangerous. Captain, if I may, he could be of use to us for the next mission. Let's bring this thing along with us to explore new worlds and galaxies. Live long and prosper. <laughs> Where were the other drugs going? I never knew. I don't know. I swear to God. Swear to me, dude. Wait, is that your Batman voice, Mikey? What? I thought it was pretty good. Not even close. <laughs> Turtles, I could use you in a tight spot. The Joker and Shredder have joined forces. I need all the help I can get. Remember, my sons, teamwork and stick to the shadows. Yeah, stick to the shadows. Oh man, you really gotta work on that. Let's go, Mr. Batman, sir. Cowbunga, dude! So get ready for Movie, the Movie, Part 1, and Part 2, The Ultimate Cinematic Universe, coming next summer. So, Taylor, we're back. Uh, we're here talking about these live-action animated crossover movies and again I'm really sticking to the more 2d animated movie so uh one i had to bring up here because it really was the uh inspiration for this episode we of course uh have space jam a new legacy just came out so we had to talk about the og space jam which i think is for a lot of kids uh our age uh nostalgia wise is a movie that people really still do love. Um, you know, the, the the combo of Michael Jordan joining the Looney Tunes to play a basketball game in the Looney Tunes world. Uh, it's, it's a funny, kind of weird uh, plot, but that movie is a lot of fun in terms of the crossover of live action and animation. Mostly, uh, mostly the animated world, having our character Michael Jordan, you know, go into it. And not one, you know, they did with the new movie. This is not a spoiler. You see it in the trailer. There's a whole section where LeBron James is animated for a chunk. Uh, they did not do that with Michael Jordan. But uh, to think of this whole movie of him having to really act around a whole green screen and all these tennis balls, you know, think, you know, you know it's yeah. crazy. Well, well, I think this, well, they actually did for at least for the, not necessarily maybe the Looney Tunes characters. I know at least four when he's fighting, he's playing out, you know, against the Monstars. They actually had some really tall basketball players. Oh, okay, you know, cool. Stand there. They were, I mean, obviously they're not, not huge and muscular, but I, I, going back and reading about this, they did a little bit of that so that he could really properly play off of them. And I think it does show in the performance because when he's playing basketball in that movie, he is really like, he's sweating. He's up playing a storm. It, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> that's not CGI sweat folks. Um, but yeah, and I think this just goes to the just the fun concept. Like this movie, it just completely nuts, you know, bonkers. But it's just so great because of the. I think I gotta you know, gotta get up for the the humor and of course the casting, and it's just just a great pace because this is like okay, you know, this is what it is, and I just just love some of the the stuff is like, 
And I think what lends itself also, I think Michael Jordan has a really great, he had a really good appeal on that film where he wasn't trying too hard. I think he always had, and I think that can make a difference. Like we talked about Bob Hoskins. Um, you know, I think when you have a certain actor playing against all these animation, it can make a huge difference. And I think he really had a lot of charm and heart to that. Um, again, it's just something that he holds near and dear is the game of basketball. But uh, yeah, just so much fun. And I, I remember the marketing campaign for that when that came out was crazy. Do you remember that like McDonald's? They had the toys yeah. and mm-hmm. everything like that. It was just, I mean, that again, came coming out the same year as James and the Giant Peach, actually. That was just so, so great. And definitely, I think, one for the books for our childhood. And just to think that he, you know, even kind of playing to the humor of his career in the beginning where, you know, obviously a lot of people know that, Yes, he was very good at basketball, and then he wanted to retire and start to play baseball, uh, which, you know, we, there has been some sports players who have moved on from one to another and have been successful. Uh, Michael Jordan was not so successful in his baseball career. Um, so that kind of played also into the element of him being like, I'm retired from basketball. I don't do that anymore. And then how this whole plot of him getting sapped into the Looney Tunes and having to uh, play this basketball game to save them. And then that of course made him want to continue to play basketball. And then that movie ends with him like going on to do more championships with the bulls and stuff. But you know, you got Bill Murray in here and Wayne Knight and just how hilarious they are. And, and I, again, I love that this movie did take advantage of because they're in a cartoon world, similar to who framed Roger rabbit. There are times where cartoony physics and um, rules of gravity can apply to our characters which is just a, a really fun concept. And, you know, I think a lot of kids, you, you might, you know, I think of, okay, our time, you know, this time, this is 96. So I'm like eight years old here. I'm sure I had seen plenty of Looney Tunes cartoons on, you know, TV and stuff. But I feel like this is also a great way to introduce people that maybe aren't really regularly watching the Looney Tunes. This is a great, like, if you've never seen the Looney Tunes, this is a great movie to watch and you'll get to know all the Looney Tunes characters. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. And I think because at that time, that was when like Disney Channel started to become really popular. You also had Nickelodeon. So I think there was that little bit of like, were you a Nick person, Disney or Cartoon Network? So I think that that was kind of, I was a little bit dabbled in both. So, but you're absolutely right. It, it appeals to anyone, whether you, even if you don't know who Michael Jordan is, which to be honest, that would have been a possibility at that time. You know, you could have been some guy in a desert and he'd be like, you lost for a date, you know, you live in the Gobi desert. Do you know Michael Jordan? Oh yes. Air Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) He like shows you the shoes. Give me me some water. Um, Well, speaking (laughs) of Looney Tunes, I, uh, a a movie that's, we got to bring up, but I've I've actually never seen it. Um, I've only ever heard that it wasn't very good. Um, Did you ever see Looney Tunes back in action with Brendan Fraser? I did. I did actually. I, I've never seen that film, but that's another, uh, obviously, live action with the Looney Tunes involved. So wh- what are your thoughts on that movie? Because it's one I, I can't speak on. I think that was kind of like, that was kind of like a pseudo sequel to Space Jam in terms of like, let's, in, in the, you know, the spirit of it. I think that was also kind of like, you combine a little bit of what Space Jam was and then Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like, oh, this is because in this world, 
the tunes are just, you know, they're, they're part of the everyday life. It's like we accept the fact that da- Daffy Duck's walking in uh, to Warner Brothers Studios and demanding more screen time, you know. <laughs> so it was it, it had some like interesting humor. And I think the casting you had Steve Martin as the, the villain, Brendan Fraser, um, Jenna Malone, and then you had um, Joan Cusack. So it had a, like a good mix of people. Um, so I, it was it was definitely not like fantastic, but I do remember watching it and like and laughing a few times. But I, I, some of the humor wasn't exactly on point but again it was more where they're in a whole live action world and the animated characters kind of do that so i think you know that was good but i think there was still like there wasn't a huge demand for these movies where we can do full cgi we don't need to do this kind of stuff so i think that stuff but i gotta go back a little bit um because um i don't remember you watched this i don't know why this movie has a weird place in my heart um is the movie do you remember seeing osmosis jones it's literally on my page right now. I was waiting to bring it up. <laughs> Look at us in sync. In sync. I used to love this movie. Oh my gosh! It was just like anytime it was on, I would, I would, I never saw it in theaters. It was always TV. But every time it's it was a, on... it's a weird movie. I think it's a weird concept, and so I think for some people, they just weren't, they weren't game for this whole animated world that's inside the human body. Um, but I thought it's a, you know, you look at we have the success of inside out is, you know, a movie about in, you know, think of even the, uh, as we talked on our PC games episode last week, you think of the magic school bus had a whole, you know, episodes where you'd go in the human body and you or see... even, I don't know if you remember this, I don't know. It was in Disneyland, but do you ever do this? Was there a ride called cranium command? Not that I remember now. Okay. In Epcot in Florida, there's this thing called cranium command. This was like, you go in this ride and you're basically in the body you were, you were oh, the wow. brain. You were in the brain of a young boy, and like it was basically inside out. But you were in the ride, so it was like really. <laughs> okay, well, I I don't. I, yeah, that wasn't that I remember anywhere at Disneyland. But but see, to me, I thought this this to me is like a movie that I wonder if like if it came out like nowadays would it do better because so many more people are conscious about health and stuff. But this to me is a funny concept of movie. It's you know we have Bill Murray here. And he he's gets playing Bill sick. Murray. He's playing Bill Murray. Really, he's not really like a, he's, like a, like a real slob. Bill he's Murray. a slob <laughs> character. You know, he's the dad of this young girl. There's no uh, no wife involved, and uh, oh, she's, she, she unfortunately dies. He died. Yeah. yeah. So he's sick, and you're thinking, okay, so this is the base of the plot. But the cool part is, you think, okay, when you get sick, naturally your white blood cells um, go, and you know they find what's sick and they try to you know heal you serve and protect you <laughs> so to think of oh let's turn that into what if you know our white blood cells are like cops in the body and there's actually a whole civilization of your your blood cells and you know your, your, the working parts of your body and that they it's their job kind of like typical cops la cops to go handle these things and then what if you have a a pill that acts kind of like a big kind of like uh protector ish and then oh what what would it what would a really devastating deadly virus look like and i honestly i think the animation of this movie is really cool it is a little gross here and there like i remember the the only scene that ever like grossed me out and nothing to do with the animation it was just bill murray having this giant booger coming out of his nose remember that scene where he's just like sick oh god and, and then and then there's there's so many great gross out moments with him and you got molly shannon here which poor, poor molly shannon this film just she doesn't she doesn't um get off okay but there's this part where like <laughs> they're fighting in his brain and the zit's like in his right. it's pulsating and it explodes on her it's like you have something right here 
<laughs> it was just like, so there is a lot of that gross out humor, but I just, I love, yeah, this, the whole concept of creating this whole, you know, there is like a whole world in our body that, you know, <laughs> and I just, you got, you got Chris Rock here as, as Osmosis Jones and we have David Hyde Pierce as the pill character and, you know, Lawrence Fishburne plays Thrax, who's the the deadly virus. This guy was he, he looks so cool and he was creepy. And I mean, like there's that great scene. I remember uh, you know, there's they have like the the kind of like the godfather characters in the steam room. Yeah. Uh, and they're like, you know, hey in buddy, hey, we're the, in the pit. <laughs> in the armpit. We uh we we run this buddy. And the fact that he literally would, you know, take his like red claw and it would get longer and on fire, and he would like decapitate some of these people, and you're like this is a kid's movie, but I think again, it's one of those movies where it's kind of educating you on how your body works in a fun, let's use animated characters and let's, you know, make it into this kind of buddy cop, uh, you know, situation. So it is an interesting movie that it is, it is live action and animation separate in some ways. Obviously there's not a whole lot of when it uh, combines, but crossover, but it's like back and forth constantly. And yeah, I mean, it's one I've actually, I would love to revisit, uh, it didn't do well at all, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> There's again, a theme to this. <laughs> I know. Why? This, the funny thing is, so far, most of these crossover movies have either been really big hits or not good at all. Um, but again, I feel like there's a nostalgia. There's a place in my uh, heart for these films. Um, and I always remember that film because I do think it was, uh, uh, it was really cool. Um, one I had to bring up, it's, this is another like way back. Let's see if you remember this movie. I'm sure you, you have. Um, again, this is a nostalgia one where mostly animated but there is chunks of the beginning and the end where it's live action do you remember the movie rockadoodle <laughs> yes i was just you know the funny you thing were was, you like, were just a long you were just months old probably by the time maybe maybe a year old by the time it came out it was 1991 so you were yeah, very young i would have i would have seen this in vhs maybe years later and i think that's probably why i remember bits and pieces of this movie and I, I didn't, it was one of those movies, like when you were a kid or something happened, you know, like, was this a thing? What was the name of yeah. this before we Did had, I actually, like, was that real? Did yeah. That that, I just remember Rockadoo. Yeah. That's all Rock-a-doo. I remember. And then Owl was, a, oh my God, the Owl creeped me out. Oh, all the Owls are creepy. But this movie being about, you know, again, we're following a young kid who's kind of looking for adventure, you know, is is put into this whole situation where then they're turned into an animated character and this animated cat. So we're following this young boy who gets sent to this world. And just this, it is like a, a crazy, goofy, very funny movie. This is Don Bluth era. And Don Bluth, for those who didn't know, was an animator. He used to work for Disney for a long time. And then he went off and was decided, I'm going to do my own thing. And he, of course, was the uh, head of the studio that would do things like an American tale. Um, uh, he'd had... Rock all dogs go to heaven. All dogs go to heaven. You know, he had he had um, Land Before Time, um, Anastasia. So there's a, a bunch of movies that I feel like even some of those movies are movies that people um, have thought were Disney movies, but they are not. Um, they're <laughs> that, his... that's gonna be another episode. We're like Disney or not? <laughs> yeah, I mean Anastasia probably still holds up the record for the, the most times people think is it a Disney movie, but it's not at all. Yeah, sorry, she's not a Disney princess. <laughs> I, I remember this movie was just uh, bonkers and hilarious because it really is. Uh, you have this rooster Chanticleer who is like an Elvis character and <laughs> and and this whole like you have Christopher Plummer as the Grand Duke of the Owls and the owls are very uh, uh, creepy and 
it's it's got all these like different animals to it and it's this whole journey and it's trying to like you know oh he's uh he has to have you know the rooster has gone off to become this famous person if he doesn't come back to the farm where this young boy lives and crow to make the sun come up the whole farm is gonna you know be under this flood it's like it's raining constantly and so it's like the sun hasn't come out and so a little bit of that fantasy element um where you're like i <laughs> Uh, we need this thing to happen. Otherwise the whole family's going to die. So of course it starts off live action and then he gets turned into a cat. Yeah, and you know, that's just so funny. It's like, no, he's an animated boy. No, we're going to be an animated cat. It's like, <laughs> and I just remember, Oh my gosh, I think my favorite character is Charles Nelson Riley is hunch. The, uh, uh, the Duke's little pygmy, uh, who's like, I'm an abomination. Like he's, he's constantly like cracking me up and, there's a lot of yeah. big goofy characters in this movie. A lot of those guys would be in a lot of Don Bluth animations. Just remember, do you remember the uh, troll in Central Park? Remember he was the, <laughs> he had the voice. And I do remember when the Grand Duke at the very end. Sorry, just, I'm thinking about that when he got shrinks to little things like, yeah, Uncle Dookie, <laughs> Uncle Dookie. <laughs> and again, here we are with sad box office facts. Um, a new segment on our, on our show. Uh, <laughs> this also did not do very well. Uh, had a budget of 18 million it made 11.6 so yeah um, but wah, you know wah, wah. again one that uh holds in my heart but a more modern movie that i think has uh was probably one of the last big ones that had a, a huge live action in actual 2d animated presence although there's a little bit of 3d in here as well uh that did do very well and we were expecting to get a sequel uh in the next few years um was enchanted from Disney. And this, of course, was a movie that was playing on the whole tropes of the animated world and what would happen if an animated character from one of these Disney movies was brought to modern day New York and how they would react to everything, how would they, you know, uh, interact with people. And so it's, I, I think this movie was really funny and charming. Amy Adams is, of course, uh, hilarious in this movie. She's playing so much to the trope of this Disney princess Giselle who's then brought to uh, real life New York. And, you know, this movie, again, it really is, it's an animated movie in the beginning and then there's mostly live action and then animated uh, little bits here and there. And then of course we have, we have our chipmunk character who uh, when it's in real life is more of the typical we see nowadays, CGI 3d. Yeah. Um, Hello. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, it's good. It's I just cool. remember what he. I remember yeah. he's doing. The, he's trying to tell yeah. her the story, yeah. and he's like, apple. And that no, it's good. Okay. <laughs> uh, and it was just. I think that was great because not only it's combining our theme here, but just they really hammed it up. I mean, um, Jason Marsden, which is, oh my God, just hilarious. Is like, As like the I will never character. think, Giselle, and he bites his fist and he just jumped. And like, one of he's like on the one, <laughs> he's singing that song to her and then the, all the bike riders doing the marathon run into him and stuff. I mean, there's just so many funny bits they played into of, again, the trope of, you know, all these Disney classic movies of these princesses, the, the fairy tale uh, elements they don't really have a lot of problems in their life apart from the, the villain character trying to you know get them, which Susan Brandon does a great job here of, of kind of a hybrid evil queen, Maleficent type. Um, and then of course we get a dragon here at the end, but, and then I, you know, the juxtaposition of, I love seeing Patrick Dempsey and Adina Munzel and these other characters who are reacting to this ridiculous behavior that these characters are doing. And, you know, this, <laughs> this taking this poor girl in and then she's take, she's made an entire dress, 
out of the drapes and she sings to the animals and you know even and of course because we're in new york uh instead of it being cute deer and rabbits and stuff it is the rats cockroaches and and pigeons well you're interesting looking i guess we'll just do it (laughs) yeah um so i'm excited to see i know they've announced that they're going to do disenchanted which i believe will go back to more of the it'll be more heavily in the animated uh, world and that's expected to be uh, a Disney Plus film in the future. So I know we're going to get more. Uh, just hasn't actually listed a date yet. But um, yeah, the movie did really well. This one uh, made over three hundred and forty million. So uh, you know, I think a lot of people loved it. It clearly uh, struck a chord with people. But you know, Taylor, you know, looking ahead, this is kind of where really we start to get more in that era of the the 3d animation for characters like you know i think of movies like we had we've had a bunch of these smurf movies we've had the alvin and the chipmunk movies um a bunch of those yes you could calculate it as this crossover but again it's more of the cgi animation which now we see in everything and i mean it, it is incredible i mean especially you know i was just i was just watching uh, Lord of the Rings a little bit uh, the other day uh, again because it's one of I know. my favorites. I saw my HBO Max. <laughs> that's right. We share things, folks. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, again, to think of uh, motion cap, how that's become such a big thing now of of, of digitally animating a performance that an actual actor gives. You know, think of the biggest actor in CGI uh, would be Andy Serkis. I mean, Andy look Serkis. at the, I mean, speaking yeah. of Lord of the Rings, right there. Yeah, and you know, I wonder if this is just going to be the continuing trend is we're not really going to see i mean even look at disney itself you know princess and the frog was the last time they did a 2d animated film and they've kind of stuck to that there's been moments in some of the recent films they've done a little bit here and there they might do a scene or something but really 2d has just kind of slowly unfortunately uh fallen to the wayside i mean even looking at space jam a new legacy they they do have a whole section that is the more traditional 2D animation. But then even in the trailer, you know, give anything away, you see that for the actual basketball game, all the Looney Tunes are digitized to a 3D model. Um, so again, we're just kind of seeing the evolution. But um, we had to bring up, you know, we reviewed it a few months ago when it came on HBO Max. I think to end our uh, time here with this episode, um, we did have the new version of Tom and Jerry that came out this year earlier on HBO Max. Uh, and that I think was a, uh, although it was a terrible movie in terms of the human plot, uh, it was a very, very fun nostalgia based uh, Tom and Jerry animation. Um, yeah, I would the, agree. More of the 2D animation style. Oh, I'm sure three elements were used and um, you know, they weren't digitized to the point where like they had fur and stuff. It really was like sticking to the 2D and all the Tom and Jerry bits. It played into the nostalgia, played into the cat and mouse, uh, all the fun stuff they used to do. It just was a god awful uh, human plot. I mean, wow. Uh, who pays these writers, honestly? So, yeah. uh, but, you know, I wonder, Taylor, if we're going to ever see a resurgence of this uh, style. I mean, you know, Space Jam is its own thing, and that was very bonkers. And who knows if a sequel would ever come from that, if we get a Space Jam 3. Um, but, you know, I kind of hope that maybe one day we'd get, you know, a Roger Rabbit sequel or um, or maybe fully new original movies that have they still utilize the 2D animation style. I think it's still something that can pop 
uh, when it's done right. And we're still seeing bits of it here and there, but it has definitely uh, fallen to the wayside for more of the 3D CGI crossover films for sure. Yeah, and I, again, I think we were just seeing this this trend that more people are wanting to see uh, something more tangible. And I think that's the thing with these animators and these titans of industry and the computer generation animation, or computer generated animation, excuse me. I think we're seeing this this push to like how much more realistic can we go? I mean, look at everything from Jurassic Park to... Um, all these other movies you talk about Lord of the Rings and, and making these, you know, movies with dragons and, and creatures and aliens, you know, how further can we go to make it as realistic as possible just at our fingertips again? And it's, and it's, it's kind of exciting, but it's a little scary too, because we're losing the way of the classic, you know, 2d. I always love, you know, talking about those VHS tapes where again, we're not, we're, uh, Late 80s, early 90s, get boys. So we, we grew up on VHS tapes. And I think it was always great when you watched uh, the VHS before you could have menus and stuff. You had to watch it all and you could see like the behind the scenes of how they created like Being the Beast. Um, you know, all these hand-drawn cell, cell animations that I think, I hope it does not become a lost art because I think there should still be a call for that going forward because it's just something that you cannot duplicate the hand-drawn effect and that... Um, that's really put that human element into creating that. And then when you can combine that with live action, it just, it's so distinctive that it's, 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 it's so much more nostalgia. Even if you make it a modern tale or completely new thing that brings you a sense of excitement and nostalgia all at once. Yeah. I mean, I, I just come to my head right now. I didn't, uh, forgot to bring it up earlier, but, uh, you know, speaking to Tom and Jerry, thinking of the great, uh, anchors away film where there's a whole sequence where Gene Kelly tap dances with jerry oh uh, wow. in, in okay, the little sailor suits that's a great you could go watch on youtube but that's a great scene that's been used in a lot of stuff where you know it's a live action and then an animated jerry and they're both tap dancing together with gene kelly um but yeah i hope it's not something that uh gets lost because i do think there's still uh, a market for it it may have just been a time an era where we're, we're seeing so much practical effects we're seeing uh computer effects get better and better people maybe want it to stick to just stick to animation only or live action only but i hope that it continues uh, in the future uh, because i do think there's a market for it and i feel like there always will be a nostalgia for it from what came before so well folks thanks for listening today to our episode um, if there's any other live action animated crossover movies that we did not mention that are your favorites let us know let us know in the comments on our social media or emails directly because we would love to hear your thoughts and you know what, Taylor? I can't believe it, but we're we're gonna be moving into August next week. So get ready. It's our last our last big month of summer. I know, but I know the summer. But uh, you're in LA, so it's gonna be warm even later. <laughs> warm. <laughs> it's getting cold. But yes. Uh, well, speaking of animation, let's uh, get animated and uh, enjoy this uh, live action of summer. <laughs> well, that 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 that's all, folks. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.